Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, December 2nd. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, John DeShazer, as we welcome on a very special guest to the show, Saints legend, current WWL radio host, Bobby Bear, to talk a little bit about Saints versus Falcons week. We'll also have Daniel Salerson sit down with Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler to get you set for your fantasy lineup heading into this weekend. Quick announcement, Saints fans, Pro Bowl voting is now open for the 2021 NFL Pro Bowl roster. You can vote daily through December 17th, so go on to your Saints app now or NewOrleansSaints.com and vote for your Saints so they can get into the Pro Bowl. You can also go on Twitter and go to the official Saints account and retweet. That is also voting for your favorite Saints into the Pro Bowl. So make sure you do that. We want to see all of our Saints in the 2021 Pro Bowl. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Saints legend Bobby Bear. Bobby, do you look forward to anything more in life than Saints versus Falcons week? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because I'm like a traditionalist. And uh, when I think about it, uh, it's the closest thing, I don't know, to a college rivalry. Uh, uh, you know, even I look at the Bayou Classic, like Grambling Southern, this could be the Iron Bowl, Alabama and, and Auburn. Uh, you look at the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. So I think that's what you have in, in the Falcons and, and the Saints. And, you know, the one thing that's unique to me, uh, this might be the more, uh, the most, as far as the fan bases, uh, the, what I've noticed when I played uh, on both sides, uh, as uh, uh, this might be the number one African American fan base, more like the Bayou Classic type rivalry that I, I that I see around, uh, you know, the United States. I think the proximity, Atlanta to New Orleans, and vice versa. Uh, I can remember when we beat Atlanta. It was right after the uh, uh, it was the strike season. We beat them like 38 to zero, and it was at old uh, Fulton County Stadium. I don't want to say Fulton County held like 55,000 people. There was over 30,000 Saints fans that made the bus trip. It was like a caravan. They were second line, and, and they started second line right after halftime. And, and that was amazing because the Falcons were the home team. And, um, and then here we are having more fans than they did. I tell you what, if they if they let them in, Bob, they, they would still have more Saints fans than Falcons fans now probably. Right. <laughs> but they kind of skewed oh, Without a doubt. Hey, Bobby, looking at the Saints last game against Denver um, for you that had to have been like flashback city being in a Jim Moore offense to see a Saints offense now run for 229 yards 44 carries I mean when you look at that did you did you kind of say you know what this is the way we used to do it well yeah we would never uh is, is to win the game and um that wasn't good if we were throwing for 40 times that means we were trying to uh, play catch up it was always you're going to throw the ball between uh, 25 and 30 times. I remember I was all proud back in the day. Uh, you know, at one time I did have the Saints record for completion percentage. It was right at like 62.9. It's almost 63%. And I was proud of that. You know, because if you were a 50% passer back in the day, you were getting it done. You kind of want it to be, you know, high 50s, uh, low 60s. Now you got to be high 60s, low 70s. Uh, but that's just the way the game has changed. But, uh, you know, for instance, when we when we whipped uh, the Broncos uh, in, in 1988, we won 42 to zero in the Superdome. Every time we got the ball, we scored a touchdown, but it was these long drives. 
We had we had like a six touchdown scoring drives, and if I can recall, um, I think I threw 23 passes but completed 20. Yeah, uh, uh, and how about this? I even threw a pass that got batted, and I even caught one of my passes and ran like for eight yards. So I, I said I could have thrown the ball left-handed in that game, and it been completed. But well, that's when the Dome Patrol dominated John Elway. I'm gonna say they had only like nine first downs. And, and they didn't have a chance. And, you know, we were thinking about how God, the Saints haven't really beaten the Broncos. Now, we haven't played them that much yet to, you know, go back to Torrance Small when they beat them up in Denver at 94. But the only other time before that was when we beat them 42 to nothing in uh, 1988. But, yeah, uh, we were efficient, scored 42 points. And I only, only to say uh, on top of my head, if I can remember, uh, it was like uh, 20 of 23, only 23 passing attempts. I tell you what, Bob, you, you just mentioned the Dome Patrol, and, and, you know, I saw somewhere where somebody kind of loosely compared this defense to, you know, Dome Patrol, too, and I would never, ever uh, do that to the original Dome Patrol because, I mean, that... Well, they don't have enough linebackers, J.D. I mean, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I mean, and that was one of the great all-time defenses in the NFL. But for today's defenses, uh, they are number one in yards allowed per game, and they are stopping people at a really good rate lately. What have you seen from this Saints defense, uh, especially during the eight-game winning streak? Well, to me, you know, it's all about uh, plug and play, and you get the right pieces, and, and your roster's never set in stone. Uh, the addition of Quan Alexander, to me, is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I just look at his, uh, his effort, his spirit, how he can run sideline to sideline. Uh, listen, I think Alex Azzalone was trying, but he's not as good as Quan Alexander. I mean, he's good, but Quan Alexander's better. Now, he just needs to stay healthy. But him and Demario Davis, I mean, it, it reminds me of what I was saying at the beginning of the year. It's amazing how things can change. Boy, and now, to me, he's probably the best linebacker nobody ever talks about unless you follow football, Levante David out of Nebraska. You know, he had Luke Keekley, but Levante David, then you look at Devin White. And how Levante Devin White runs sideline to sideline. Well, the Saints have that in Quan Alexander and Demario Davis. But, uh, but JD, like you were saying, though, um, uh, you know, when you look at the Dawn Patrol and these linebackers, okay, that's two. And can you imagine the Saints had four? I mean, you got uh, Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, uh, the late Sam Mills, the late uh, Von Johnson. That's four. I, I said that's even better than Lawrence Taylor because they didn't have four. Even Lawrence Taylor. And, uh, and Gary Reasons, one of my, uh, you know, uh, classmates at Northwest Louisiana, he won two Super Bowls with the Giants, but they didn't have four. They had three. And the same thing, you look at the Monsters of Midway, the Bears defense with, with Buddy Ryan. They were running a 4-3. Uh, you know, the Dawn Patrol, we were at 3-4. They had Otis Wilson, Wilbur Marshall, Mike Singletary. Unbelievable. But, again, it was only three. It wasn't four. To have four linebackers at the same time playing together like the Dome Patrol, that's why I think it's the best in pro football history. But Demario Davis, for sure, and Quan Alexander could get there potentially, could be Dome Patrol-type linebackers. How much do you think the, the addition of Quan Alexander and then obviously having Demario Davis up there has taken pressure off of the secondary and kind of made their, their jobs a little bit easier? Yeah, that, that has helped some. I, I, I think our, our coverage is uh, picking up, so that's helping our pass rush, uh, especially with Matt Bryan uh, when he's, uh, you know, he's, he just, uh, he's a timing quarterback and he can't get the ball out. And, and I've tooted this, uh, 
or and about when we play Matt Ryan uh, and the Falcons under Sean Payton, when we sacked him uh, three times or more, we're eight and zero. The last time we sacked him eight times, so now we're nine and zero. All I know, Sunday, just sack him three or more times, the Saints will be ten and zero against the Falcons. And, and, and I and I think it all goes hand in hand like a glove. That's the best pass coverage, is the pass rush. And to help that pass rush, you have to have good coverage. So it all, like Dennis Allen said, it's all about the process. It's not like the final results. If you during the week, if you're prepared and you know what you're doing, you're going to have good results most of the time. But I think two things we've done now compared to at the beginning of the year, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot with penalties. Uh, you, you know, when you look at that, and then we're not giving up those chunk plays. That's You want a team to earn their points. And, and then all of a sudden, if, if you could bend but don't break and you're forcing field goals instead of giving up touchdowns, and, and I would think a Sean Payton coach team many times, if our defense holds an opponent – to 20, I'd say even 23 points or less, uh, I think the Saints win because he would take that much pride in, in the offense, uh, you know, to get it going. And you could be even looking at Atlanta. I thought it was a misprint uh, um, when they when they played the Raiders. I'm like, what? That that can't be the correct score. I, don't, I just showed you the NFL, how you got to come to play. But what did the Raiders do? Uh, th- th- this could be a losing formula for any team. And, 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 and then it could be you playing the Jets, you might lose. You have five turnovers and you have 11 penalties for 140 plus yards. No, you hard pressed to win in the NFL. And that's what the Raiders did. They, they were terrible. And, um, and the Falcons got a little confidence and swagger uh, under Raheem Morris. So I can see why Vegas has this like a field goal game, two and a half, three points. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot different. But uh, what I mean by that, I think a lot closer, but the Saints are just better than the Falcons. They just have to do what it takes to win. Bobby, the NFC South has, you know, in its inception, always been a a division where, you know, a team could go from worst to first, didn't have repeat division champs. And now the Saints are working on their fourth straight. What have they been able to do to basically put a stranglehold on this division for the last four years? They just dominate. They're the poster child of how to run an organization. I'm talking about top to bottom. You look pro personnel department. You look college personnel uh, department. Uh, you look at coaching staff. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. The only thing, look, nobody has won more games than the Saints, and it'll be this the case uh, the last four seasons. Not the Patriots, not the Chiefs, no one. Now all you got to do is win the championship. So we're doing all the right things. I just think we just a well-run organization that people would try and copy. And I think it all starts with Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. And, and I'm just, I'm not just tooting their horn because, you know, here I do the pre and post game, but the Saints and all, I, I would call it like I see it. And they are truly that good. Uh, I think that Sean Payton is a football genius calling plays. Oh, well, Gene, I think he's like Bill Walsh-like. Remember how Bill Walsh in the 80s and West Coast and uh, Joe Montana and all that? And, you know, you can go back, whoever you view as great gurus with offense, you go back to Paul Brown uh, and whoever, how offenses were invented and how you adapt. Uh, I think Sean Payton is that good, and he takes it personal. Not, not that he won't ever get out coach, but I like how chances a lot, our staff against any staff uh, we play, and I, I think they're truly that good. Now, you got to win a championship. Boy, it would be a shame because I think this can happen. I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, 
but I think the Saints can go to the Super Bowl and not win. What? You think, like, we're so far but so close. Uh, no, I, I think it would be like a challenge. I think the Steelers are a complete team. Big Ben's healthy, and we all know about Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. But I think in the NFC, no. Well, why not the Saints? Uh, no team in the NFC, to me, is as complete as the Saints in the NFC. Now, the team that would worry me, and God forbid we ever lose to them in the postseason, would be the Rams. And how you match up against certain teams, you know, like I was worried at times when we played the Ravens, how we matched up against them. But we ended up winning. A little luck at the end, but we ended up winning. I think the Rams, I think Aaron Donald is in Andrews Pete, and they'd be for sure in McCoy and Caesar's head. I mean, I think Aaron Donald is that good. Look how Drew got hurt and went play out there. I'm not even worried about the Seahawks, any, any of the Seahawks, Packers. Uh, I think if Taysom doesn't fumble, we'd have beat the Packers uh, this season. So uh, I, I just think the Saints are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and hopefully they win. Hey, Bob, when you mention how complete they are, is there no better indication of that than the last two years without Drew Brees? So far, the Saints are 7-0. Now, I know they were – 0 oh, and 3 before that, but a couple of those were mop up games. There was the one injury game that Luke McCown played. But these last couple of years, without Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, Saints are 7 and 0. Now they're not, you know, running it, you know, extremely smooth all the time, but still they've been complete enough to get to that 7 and 0 against some pretty good teams along the way. Does that pretty much speak to how complete they are? Without a doubt. Uh, I don't think if any quarterback, um, uh, or any coaches in a situation where you're doing three different quarterbacks and you got a first ballot Hall of Famer and Drew Brees and utilizing two other uh, players, we didn't know how Teddy Bridgewater was going to bounce back, um, you know, from his knee injury. But he leads the team to five and zero, oh, and we all see, uh, uh, boy, the success of Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, this is the thing, uh, Sean Payton. I think he helps this. Not has to come from within as a player. The accuracy. Who's the two most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL this year? Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater. That's the only thing holding Taysom back. If Taysom could just – he don't have to be a 70% passer. If Taysom could just, um, I don't know, to me, complete um, 13 out of uh, out of 24, let's say. <laughs> to just be uh, that accurate, I think what he could do with his feet, uh, he, he, is, he is just unbelievable. He can run over you or run around you. Uh, I don't ever see a Taysom Hill, even if he would be the quarterback – of the future, I just don't think in his mind that he ever could hook, slide, or run out of bounds. He just wouldn't do that. And uh, But it just goes to show you the game plan. And, uh, boy, they're almost like mad scientists when they get in the lab. I think the combination uh, of Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, Coach Lombardi, and, and all when they set up in the run game, the O-line coach, Coach uh, Dan, uh, he gets – they all get together. And it just, it's just unbelievable, CJ and, and all uh, – Offensive football, boy, I just like the continuity they have now. You can't always keep that if you keep winning. Uh, but uh, And I even love the great job with Dennis Allen. Uh, you go across the board, really the Saints don't have a, any weak links in the coaching staff. They are truly – like uh, teams are looking to see what the Saints do because of consistency. You know why? It's hard to win double-digit games year in and year out in the NFL. And you know why double-digit wins are so important? Because it gives your fan base, it gives them hope. Oh, are we in the hunt? We got a chance. But now we're a little spoiled to who that nation like, okay, enough. We have the best record, three straight seasons. Come on, we got to win a championship. So I think that's where we're at right now. 
all of the analysis that you could possibly hope for, for from Bobby Bear. Bobby, before we let you go, last question. With the Falcons passing defense being 31st in the league and the Falcons rushing defense being 6th in the league, what are some small steps that you'd like to see out of Taysom Hill this game to really just get the job done against the Falcons? Well, uh, the Broncos secondary is a whole lot better than the Falcons, obviously. Uh, and I just think I like Big Fangio. I, I think he might have never end up being uh, a long-term head coach. But I remind him a lot like Wade Phillips, uh, one of the best uh, defensive coordinators. So you have to look at the defense you're attacking. Just build upon. Now they have film on him. Uh, just be accurate. He was accurate enough the first time he beat the Falcons and maybe spread the ball a little more. Uh, now he utilized Michael Thomas. Uh, but maybe get Jerry Cook more involved. That, I've been kind of disappointed as of late uh, with Jerry Cook. I thought he'd have probably, I don't know, uh, twice as many catches. I didn't think he'd be in the 20s right now. I thought he'd probably be, you know, low to mid, uh, you know, low to mid 40s uh, reception. So just get more people involved. And uh, it's, it's it's all about confidence. That's one thing. You can't be scared that you're going to throw a pick. you got to be able to pull the trigger. And, and if he could do that, uh, he has a strong enough arm. Again, it's not, uh, you know, the arm strength. It's just being confident in your reads and, and just being accurate. Like, just playing pitch and catch. I always took the approach. If you can do it in practice, you can do it in the game. You know, that too many people can be like Deion Sanders and don't have to practice <laughs> and just go out there. Let me, tell you, let me tell you a quick story about Deion. It was unbelievable. Deion Sanders is playing in Major League Baseball game. Now, this was in uh, Georgia Dome days uh, for the Falcons. He's playing a Major League Baseball game with, with the Braves. The game's over. He gets in a helicopter. He flies to the Georgia Dome. And, 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 and here he is. He don't even have no uniform. So he's getting his pads and helmet and all that. Right before never practice, he goes and he holds Henry Ellard, who's in the Pro Bowl, like one catch for 14 yards. And he never even practiced. I go, this is unbelievable. And Henry Ellard was burning everybody. So I just said, not too many players could do that. And I, I know the work ethic, but with Taysom, he's going to want to get better. And um, and all he has to do is just uh, play with confidence. And, hey, you're always confident when he's had past success like he did against Atlanta. We'll just go out there and do it again. All right, Bobby. Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for all the insight on this Saints team. And uh, good luck this week as you guys host all of your shows on WWL Radio. And fans, make sure to tune in to Bobby A. Bear, Christian Garrick. Zach Sharif and Deuce McAllister on St. Bobby, we appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot, Caroline and JD. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bob. Okay, thanks to Bobby Abair. Let's go ahead and get into Daniel Salerson's interview with Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah, let's uh, let's go over our fantasy lineups for this week. And to help us out with that, of course, is Ben Heisler, who covers gambling and fantasy sports for Sports Illustrated. Ben, I appreciate the time. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, my friend. I did, Daniel. It's good to talk to you as always. Had a very good Thanksgiving, still in uh, recovery mode slightly, but uh, ready for December to be here and uh, ready for the fantasy playoffs to kick off soon. Yeah, absolutely. Ben's going to help you get ready for the fantasy playoffs. And it's weird that we're actually talking on a game day as the Ravens and Steelers will play later on this afternoon. But I did want to start with the Saints and Falcons as Taysom Hill will get another start on Sunday against their divisional foe. And after two games, Ben, uh, what have you learned about Taysom's fantasy value? I learned that it's going to be fairly consistent as far as him as a rusher. He's had back-to-back games of 10 rushes for about 4.7 yards on the ground per carry, uh, multiple games with two touchdowns on the rushing side. So that's going to get you an extra couple points there. Um, 
You know, I understand the game against Denver dictated where he didn't really have to throw the ball all that much, but I actually thought the Broncos prepared a really good game plan for him, especially in the first half, considering their situation, considering that they were playing a guy off the practice squad who wasn't even a quarterback uh, and KJ Hinton to start the game. I, I, I was really impressed with how they competed, at least initially. And, and I thought going in, you're going to start to see more teams make some adjustments for Taysom Hill, particularly in the passing game. Now that there's more and more tape on him, Atlanta's defense. I know that they had, you know, a bad game a, a week or so ago, but they really bounced back nicely. Um, and, and now they're back again at home and they played substantially better in Mercedes Benz stadium compared to on the road. So I, I'm actually fascinated to see how this matchup will play out. What I do know is that Hill is going to be consistent when it comes to his running opportunities. He's not afraid to get into the goal line. And while that's helped him, from a fantasy perspective, it's really hurt guys like Alvin Kamara. Yeah, we'll see how uh, this week goes for, for the Falcons and Saints. You're right, the Falcons had a really impressive showing um, against the Las Vegas Raiders last week. Uh, we heard the news from Will Fuller himself that he will miss the rest of the season as he's been suspended six games. So this is kind of going to be a two-part question is who steps up for Will Fuller on the Texans in his absence for those that do have Will Fuller? And how does this affect Deshaun Watson's fantasy value if it does at all? It's going to impact him. I mean, especially in games at home, he was that go-to receiver. I also think it's helped Brandon Cooks not necessarily having to be the number one option. Like it consistently over the course of his career, when he's not the guy, um, you know, he's going to see more single matchups. He's going to have more opportunities down the sidelines for big plays. Uh, and I worry that he's going to start to get more double coverage. We've have seen a little bit more out of Kiki Kute the last couple of weeks in Houston uh, we'll see whether or not that's going to be more of a factor. I, I also wonder, too, uh, if they begin to incorporate more of Duke Johnson into a passing game role to try and help expand the rest of the offense. So, yeah, uh, Watson's going to take a bit, of a, a bit of a hit, but I wouldn't say it's at the point where you consider not playing him. I mean, the Texans have to throw. They have to take chances down the field because of their abysmal defense. So I, I think he'll be fine, but uh, not having a consistent option like Will Fuller, who's actually stayed healthy this year, that's definitely a big loss. Fantasy owners will have to wait one more day to go to the waiver wire after uh, Steelers and Ravens um, get going this afternoon. So uh, who are some top pickups? Because, uh, you know, we only have a few more days to get ready for, for Sunday's action. Who are some players that could be available that could be worth picking up? Yeah, a couple of guys in particular are out of the AFC. Uh, a lot of people moved on a couple of weeks ago from James White. Uh, there was still all the talk about Damian Harris and get, or Damian Harris getting uh, most of the carries and, and volume in that offense. And then Rex Burkhead went down. And now you're starting to see White become kind of what he was under Tom Brady, where he's starting to see, you know, six to eight targets. He had six passes or he caught six passes for 64 yards. He scored two touchdowns in week 13, um, especially in PPR leagues. James White is absolutely worth consideration. Uh, we're also seeing more of Devontae Booker with the Las Vegas Raiders. And remember, that was sort of the backup to the backup in the Denver Broncos system. But um, he's surpassed Jalen Richard on the depth chart. Josh Jacobs still isn't getting passing game targets. So, again, that's another guy that's involved in the offense that is really doing a nice job, especially catching passes. Uh, and it's taken about 13 weeks, uh, Daniel, but T.Y. Hilton might be back. Um, he only had one double digit fantasy performance and that was in week five. Uh, but he had his best game of the year against Tennessee. Phillip rivers is throwing the football a little bit more and has actually been very solid. The second half of the season, uh, really good matchups too, against the Raiders and also the Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs. So if there's ever going to be an opportunity for T Y Hilton to come through in the clutch, it's, it's, it's certainly now. Speaking of playoffs, you know, fantasy owners are gearing up as some will start um, in a couple of weeks here. You know, it, it varies just depending on what fantasy league you're in. But 
What are some advice for fantasy owners as they're either trying to get into the playoffs or they already secured a playoff spot and just need to get the right players on their roster? What's some advice that you could tell them heading into these crucial couple of weeks? I think that's it. It's making sure that the right players are there, making sure that your top tier running backs, that you have their handcuffs for them in the event that someone were to go down. I'll give you a perfect example. I think Deontay Foreman of the Tennessee Titans is available in somewhat of 85% of, of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And if Derrick Henry goes down for whatever reason, the guy that's won fantasy championships for so many different people the last couple of years, if he goes down, Tennessee's not going to completely abandon the run. They're going to use Foreman in the mix. So that's somebody that I would prioritize regardless of whether you have Derrick Henry or not. Um, and for the guys that have sort of just been meddling around, just sort of hanging around on your bench, the guys that yeah, maybe they're a startable option here or there, uh, it's time to move on from them. Focus on the handcuffs, focus on guys with great matchups. Go ahead and look at the schedule, find out which teams have really advantageous matchups in weeks 14, 15, and 16, and load up now before it becomes more a priority and before they come more of, of the mainstream heading into the week. Sound advice there from Ben Heisler, host, analyst, editor for SI Gambling and SI Fantasy. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Benny Heis. Um, gives you some great insight on some waiver wire pickups and, of course, getting you ready for the fantasy football playoffs. Ben, I appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. You got it, man. Okay, Saints fans, that will do it for our Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. As always, we will have another edition on Friday and another reminder to vote your favorite Saints into the Pro Bowl. It's as easy as going onto your Saints app or to NewOrleansSaints.com. The information is all there for you. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go retweet the Saints official uh, account and their Pro Bowl vote. That also counts for a vote. All right, thanks so much, fans, for listening, and we'll catch you again on Friday. Have a great day.